VorpalNetwork.com. This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight Games, where out of print is available again, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links. Hi, I'm James Wyatt, one of the lead designers for 4th edition and author of Eberron Trilogy, The Draconic Prophecies, and you're listening to The Tome Show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And that's right, there's no Jeff Greiner tonight. This time, it's just me running the show. Normally, this is when I'd introduce the topic, but honestly, my guests and I are a bit too manic at the moment, so we could talk about anything. So I'm that, the new Jeff. Can I be the new Jeff? You can be the new Jeff, totally. Awesome. I'm new Jeff. So, uh, so you're new Jeff. What were you before you were new Jeff? Um, I don't know. I've sort of always been Jeff. Uh, who's our guest tonight? <laughs> Jared Von Hinman. Interesting. Have you heard uh, of him? No. No, why is he on the show? I, I'm not quite sure either. He kind of like asked. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, he didn't ask me. I thought this was my show. No, I've taken over. Oh, oh, of course. Yes. As Jeff, I formally uh, make that announcement official. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. Oh, oh, I should be answering something. Hi, I'm Jared. Um, <laughs> and I'm very happy to be here. I... Uh, I don't know where to start. I'm actually very happy to be here. I've kind of been out of the scene for um, a year or so, but I have a good excuse, but I don't know where to start. Okay, well, we could start with some of the places people may have heard uh, about you from, such as Head Injury Theater or the D&D Outsider. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. Uh, Any other ones you'd like to add in? Um, I did some art for the uh, game Dungeon Crawler. Um, there's been art in the comic section on uh, the D&D website for years. And, um, uh, oh, I am the guy who wrote the Stupid Monsters of Dungeons & Dragons article years ago. Um, before I ever played Dungeons & Dragons, and that is what led to my downfall. Yeah, well, and we'll get to that downfall soon. And then you also do some art for some mini stuff and sneakers and uh yeah yeah i i you know I, I, talking oh. about myself it's awkward but this is kind of why i'm here um uh, the uh dungeon and dragons um goblin stompers um ryz um had a, a promotion for a dnd swag and uh, there was a contest and i made goblin stompers which i think are kind of cool because they have smashed goblins on the bottom of them <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, some uh, the official D and D t-shirts um, from uh, I think two years ago is when they were in, in production. Awesome. And um, yeah, stuff like that. So you were just saying that you had done a bunch of D and D art before you'd ever gotten into D and D. So how did you get into D and D? Oh God, um, uh, peer pressure. <laughs> Um, oh God, uh, do we want the full story? Yeah, as much as you want to tell. Okay, uh, it, it's, it's weird. Basically, um, there was a gaming store called Serious Games, God, God rest its, its soul, uh, because it is no longer around, that was always selling uh, discounted miniatures, like from Mage Knight and a bunch of other stuff that was discontinued. So you could basically throw a euro on the counter and get like a big, like Ziploc baggie of minis. 
And uh, so I put together this game with my friends, and it was this game where you can use miniatures from anything. And the problem with this is that this means you can use miniatures from everything. <laughs> and we ended up buying so many Dungeons and Dragons miniatures. I had no idea of what I, I, I knew the movie. Right. I knew the pop culture references. I mean, it's it's amazing what people know, even if they don't play, <laughs> about Dungeons and Dragons. And um, yeah, I was playing the miniatures game, and um, I. Yeah, I uh, basically was just going to the store, and they were like, "Hey, there's a Dungeons and Dragons day," and I was like, "No, no, I'll be the, I, I, I'm uh, 28 years old. I'll be the oldest person there. <laughs> there, there's no way I'm gonna do this." And then I got an email from some gamers who uh, knew about the stupid monsters of Dungeons and Dragons article, and they knew that I lived in Berlin. They contacted me, and they dared me to uh, play the game that I was making fun of. <laughs> And I still play with those people to this day. And um, there was a TV crew there. And I had a great time. It was uh, the last uh, 3.5 D&D uh, game day. Nice. And um, there was a TV crew there interviewing people about gaming. And in the background of one of the interviews, you can hear me um, screaming, where is your god now, Celestial Badger? <laughs> Be and yeah, it was a great time. Awesome. And yeah, it's 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 a convoluted story because uh, then I was playing and I was, but I was into the the minis first, mm-hmm. and then um, I was making fun of them. Uh, there was a I uh, there was a set that came out and I do these manic art crashes where I would just uh, do watercolor and acrylic paints. Um, like I won't sleep. I'll just say, okay, I'm going to do 30 paintings this weekend. And that that's the goal. So I did a paint series of the, of an entire set and I put that up and I didn't realize the people on the forums of, uh, the, the D and D minis folks, some of them worked for wizards and they were fans. Right. And, um, yeah, basically, I got contacted uh, by by wizards and was hired uh, to do the same thing for the next, uh, I think, yeah, uh, next two sets that that came out. I was actually hired to kind of make fun of the miniature line, right? Which is really awkward, right? And yeah, I at this time I was. Uh, uh, my my soul was uh, stripped from me, and uh, you went down the rabbit hole. I I, I yes. That's yes. what I call it, cause I I didn't play until I was thirty. So nice. <laughs> uh, nice. So, so so you're so you're clean. You're 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 free of the preconceptions. Exactly. Yeah. No. That's the that's the best thing. Uh. So and and you talk about making fun of D and D, but the thing is, is it wasn't like you were a. Com- you're outsider to D and D stuff, but D and D was not your first introduction to gaming, right? Oh, oh no, no. Um, one of the funniest things when I got into uh, the the whole D and D scene was all the jokes that D and D players made about LARPers, live action role players. Mm-hmm. Because as somebody who I I, I met my ex wife um, 
at a vampire game in Florida of uh, two, three hundred people uh, that, that met every weekend. I, I ran a game of two hundred people in New York. We we tricked the school into calling it a theater troupe so we could afford black lights and fog machines. And um, but I, I can assure you, the the live action role players make the very same joke about the Dungeons and Dragons players. So it was it was. It, it was just really funny kind of seeing the flip side. But no, I, uh, I've i been a, uh, until I moved to Germany, where live action role playing is, let's say, intense, <laughs> adult, they use swords and hit each other. And the no touching rule, which is common, um, I uh, learned did not apply when I started getting gnawed on by strangers on my <laughs> first night. So, you know, it's, it's a little different here. But... Um, yeah, very much into into uh, the the live action role playing, and I played some terrible games when I was young, and um, I, I I almost don't want to name them, but um, um, I did end up getting into uh, Shadowrun and Vamp Run because uh, Shadowrun and Vampire were the game mechanics were designed by the same person. I I found this out later. And uh, we ended up having, you know, whatever. Anyway, I, I've been gaming for quite some time. Yeah, no, it sounds uh, but awesome. I, but I've been playing the games that, I don't know, I, there's a reason I call uh, Dungeon Master Storytellers. I can't break the habit. It, 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 it's like a gamer accent. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah. noticed that when we were out there and playing that you kept calling them Storytellers, which was, I thought, yeah. really cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm a fan of it, but... Yeah. I, I can't. I, I can't get over the uh, the, the stigma of, of the term dungeon master, and it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's how I was raised. Totally Words of hate. Words of hate. <laughs> uh, and so we'll talk a, li- a little bit more about those differences, particularly between Germany and uh, here in the U.S. in a few. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to take a quick moment to remind you you all about our sponsor, Noble Knight Games. Uh, the guys at Noble Knight provide a great service. We've worked for them with them for years here at the Tome Show, and we're happy to have their support. Uh, and I told you a little bit about their website before, because I kind of introduced you to it, right? And uh, I, I, I've heard the show before. I, yeah, I, yeah. I know of Noble Knight and their fine selection of products. So uh, is there a product you'd like to look up? Well, actually, when you told me about this, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna name some obscure game that I love, and uh, they have it. Uh, it the sh- the game is called It Came from the Late 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 Show. It is definitely a bargain a bargain bin game, but it is beautiful in its own right. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases, including D and D. They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. What if I want a board game? Card game, minis, or dice? Noble Knight has it all, and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade, so you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Wow, I'll go today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. So uh, we're now back. 
and talking to Jarrett some more. I recently visited you, didn't I, in Germany, where uh, I got to taste some of the, the German gaming culture, although not quite the part you were telling about a little while ago. Well, what was... Oh, right. Yes, no, there was no biting. There was no biting. Yeah, no, um, I actually was really lucky to uh, get into Dungeons & Dragons here. Um, the organized play scene is huge. Um, I've actually been out of the loop. Part of the reason uh, Tracy visited me is, uh, and part of the reason I was very cheerfully saying I'm happy to be here, is that I got good news on uh, uh, the results of chemotherapy this week. And that is kind of why I've been out of the scene and missing for a year. And um, I'm everyone uh, in the uh, RPG community has been really supportive, and uh, it's really good. And I'm not going to get emotional or anything, but it's really happy to be here. And yeah, yeah, which is why you were visiting. However, there is gaming in Berlin. Yeah, uh, and and just and real quick, and then so, and no, a lot of the listeners interrupt, do know. Interrupt, I'm an idiot. It's it's no, it's, no. It's and a few listeners do know that stuff was going on, and that was why I was also a little out of the loop on a lot of stuff too, uh, because I was. I'm a high maintenance friend. <laughs> you're definitely, but you're awesome because you subject me to to awful movies and then bring me to Germany and let me play D and D there. In English, luckily. In English, luckily, yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's the other thing. Luckily, most Berliners speak English because I I've been here for over ten years and my German is terrible. Um, but yeah, no. What I was saying was uh, I. I yeah, the organized play scene is huge. So that's actually one of the things that really made it easy for me to get into uh, Dungeons and Dragons heavily. Because I've always been a fan of of learn, uh, you know, learning by playing and being exposed to everything. Right. And uh, like the RP when the RPG was at, at its height, um, up until I think last year, uh, there was a game you could go to five days a week, just randomly, and it's it's. I don't know, trial by fire role-playing. Right. Yeah. And you were even telling me stories about people who would, like, cross the border because the games were different in different countries? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's weird. We're, I'm not the authority on this topic. Yeah. Uh, my friend Lutz is, and it's, it's amazing to hear the stories, but that's uh, um, uh, Living Greyhawk. The, the, the way that was designed was there were adventure modules that you could only play if you were in one geographic region. And Germans weren't too happy because Dungeons & Dragons decided, okay, Germany is all going to be a dark forest ruled by happy elves. I am deeply oversimplifying, but that's kind of the way it is. So you couldn't, according to the rules, play a certain module unless someone from that area was running the game in your in your country. Right. And so there were just – my friend took a vacation uh, with some other friends to a German sneaking across the French border to play French adventures and then going to Switzerland. Right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind, kind of amazing and, uh, and, and silly, but kind of amazing. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting to see that, you know. That's awesome. And and you've also had an interesting experience with uh, Berlin in particular because you're also because there's so many different different experiences in Berlin at this time period because a lot of the people you play with are a bit older so they may have grown up grown up on the other side of the wall, right? In, indeed. 
And so you were telling me too about uh, trying to explain something in a game uh, using Wizard of Oz. And, and oh, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I and mean, there are parallel, uh, depending on what side of the wall you grew up on, um, there are weird. Or actually, just anywhere, just different places, different different times. There are just different versions of things. Uh, one of the things that uh, Stalin ended up commissioning because of the popularity of the Wizard of Oz series, and I, I love the Wizard of Oz, and I assume everyone knows it. Um, but uh, there was a uh, communist Wizard of Oz that was was written, and I, it's it's difficult to find. But basically, it's like it teaches kids to put on their gas masks because the witch is going to uh, release the the mustard gas spell, and that we need to use all of our spoons and scrap metal to build a robot to defend it. It's 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 insane. But yeah, but um. Yeah, it, well, it, it's also like the, but people grew up with different games. Like a lot of Germans grew up playing uh, uh, the Schwarz Auge or the the Black Eye, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically TSR wasn't so good with German translations in in the in the early eighties. So the people that were originally hired to do the translation, but then they changed their mind, decided let's make our own version. Right and. Um, it's it's become its own thing. There's a there's a movie. There's video games. There's a video game that came out last year. It's not like a forgotten thing, um, but uh, that game is amazing because of uh, the mask. The first edition of that game, the Schwarzaga, um, came with a mask for the storyteller or dungeon master or director um, to wear, like a bat mask, right. like 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 I am the bat. Because then it, that way, the people at the table knew this person is no longer your friend. This person is the enemy. This person is the controller of your fate. See, he's wearing the bat mask. He can't be your friend anymore. Right. So uh, I, I'm going to go so ahead and say this. What was your original question? <laughs> that was pretty much it. Just the, the fact, one thing I noticed with, in, in talking to you and just being around people was just how both comfortable and radically different at times being in Berlin was. And it seemed from the stories you were telling that it was even among people who grew up in the same city and name would have that the same, for a while would have the same sort of uh, experience almost. Yeah, no, no, totally. Because I I have to say a lot of that type of uh, experience that I had in Berlin with you know, the fact that things would be in English and German a lot of times, like walking by and seeing uh, stores with English names in a lot of places. Almost. Almost. Almost English names. Well, a lot of them were just English names, but there were some that had gotten it a little... Yeah, if you if you if you go through Berlin, you can. Uh, it, it looks like an alien who didn't quite understand English designed it, and it's just because of root words and use of some English and all that. But it's just like clinic is spelled slightly wrong, and no one would ever use this word for. Yeah, well, we saw more of the English words in the mall, I think, in the malls, like in the little stores, and then yeah, on the on the street, it was a lot more uh, mixed. I think. And a lot of people spoke English, but they didn't necessarily speak all the words uh, that I knew, which makes total sense because I, I don't know all the words. All the 
in English. Well, or in other, in, uh, like, when I took Spanish or Japanese, my, my vocabulary mm-hmm. would have been very limited still. And makes yeah, well, sense. They, it, there, there are some weird words that are used. Like, uh, in the hospital, the department that uh, resuscitates you is called the reanimation. Right. Which just makes me think of zombies, but you know it's, t- it's totally the word they use here. Right, but I, I just like the fact that we, I, we were still able, uh, with your limited German and our ability to uh, pantomime and everything else, oh, I was totally able to go to the bakery and order things and and stuff like that, and it it was good. But yeah, it made by, me think about by it. pantomime. You mean like pointing? Pointing or. There are it other counts, times, it counts. There are other times, though, that I swear, like, when you're talking to your friends, there were certain words that we were having uh, trouble with that you kind of, I don't know, did something. I just slap them around, usually. That's true. But yeah, yeah. no, and it also made me think about in gaming, because we do use common a lot. But the thing is, is in some ways, we had common language because of English in a lot of parts of, like, a lot of people do learn English. But it's different still. And, yeah. And there were times when I was just picking the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I totally understand. But And I also like the fact that I could, I could read most a lot of the German, mostly. And it made me think that I should add that to games more, too. So there's, like, that uncertainty. Well, what do you mean? Like, like just misspell a lot of things? Not necessarily. You... Just get rid of the editor. The problem solved. Well, no, just, like, with... Cause... Because I think one of the things I kind of miss, I I think in the older editions there were a lot more. There's a lot more uh, regional languages because we had this in the Dark Sun game, right? Oh, you mean you mean mistakes? Not mistakes. Okay. In the Dark Sun game, like I spoke traitor, uh, T R A D D E R, and I might have known a little bit of the local language, but that was important in that game because of the way uh, it was set up. Yeah, no, no, totally. And and I was just I've been trying to think of ways uh without inventing a fantasy language and making people learn it, how you can reproduce that kind of feeling uh while not totally freaking out your players. Yeah, that's that's really difficult. I I'm the, I I'm thinking back to Star Wars online and uh Wookiee uh speak. Oh gosh. Well, and and like I've ha- I've been in games where they did Goblin was common, but some of the letters were written backwards. That sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I I liked the both feeling uh, comfortable and like it was regular life for me, being like a foreigner in there, while at the same time noticing all the differences. Yeah, no, 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 totally. I mean, um... Back to something you were saying earlier about uh, different experiences. And I, I know that both of us are a little biased on this topic because we, we basically admitted that we're, we're not here. Uh, we're not in the uh, uh, fantasy RPG uh, realm uh, for our entire lives. Like we didn't grow up with it. Right. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's good to get... Um, people from the outside to kind of look in. I mean, I, I, I joke that it's like, you know, with the, the D&D Outsider column that I'm, I'm making fun um, of, of Dungeons & Dragons. It's the, uh, the emperor has no clothes, but, you know, I, I'm hired by the court, so it's okay. Um, but 
the idea is just that it's good to get opinions and, and experiences that are kind of outside those right. because you can kind of get fresh eyes on it. You know, it's. Yeah. Well, like the woman at the museum who approached me and had on laminated cardboard her story in English and German. Cause yes. She, uh, which was funny. Um, but but interesting in that, like, I totally not want to make an NPC who does that sort of thing, like, is prepared for it, and then have the 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 player the PCs react to that, like. Yeah, no. Um, in one of the early games, I played with some of my friends. I mean, my my friends play in English, but uh, one of their wives did not speak, and she was running a game, but she didn't speak English. So I ended up making a character that did not speak Common, and we decided that I was playing a Dwarfforged, which check out the D and D Outsider column if you don't know what that is. But basically, we decided that English was Dwarven. Right. And I never met a dwarf because of it. It was it was beautiful. But I was communicating through drawing and pantomime and like sketching things. Right. And uh, it, it was it was an amazing role role playing experience. Right. And well, and most of your friends were and the people when we went to the D and D game day were very good. At, like they knew that I only spoke English and they tried to speak English around me. But there were totally times when they just would speak in German and I'd have no idea what's going on and I would do my best to just watch and, and try to see what I could uh, interpret from tone of voice and, and everything else that was going on. And I liked it. I get, that was the, the big thing for me is I actually like that sort of stuff and I like uh, seeing how I react to it and, and, and stuff like that. Because it did make me, being in Germany also made me think about all the people in the U.S. who uh, don't necessarily know English because either they're like me and they're only visiting for a short time or they've never had the opportunity to learn it. Yeah, no, 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 totally. Uh, the Dark Sun game was fun, by the way. I mean, Yeah, we should uh, talk about that. We're, we're doing a, it's a second edition Dark Sun. Yes. And uh, because one of, one of the things I, I, I told my friends is that I've played a lot of 4th edition, and I was in one campaign of 3.5 when I didn't know anything. So, right. it, and, and that was interesting. And uh, played that for a while. But um, I, I, with D&D Next, it was just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm really familiar with all the, the, the lore. I mean, with the stupid monsters of D&D, I have, and doing uh, the comics for D&D alumni, I, I, my trivia brain is filled with horrible, horrible things. Right. You like uh, laser rifles came before magic swords in 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 Greyhawk. It, it's it, there's just there's there's weird forgotten lore that's that's just Wait, kind of. Wait, what do you hilarious. mean? D and always been a medieval fantasy game. Uh, yes and no. Um, uh, who are the two guys really responsible for Dungeons and Dragons? Do you know this? This is the trivia question. Wait, are you talking about Gaiax and Arneson or? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which setting was uh, Gygax's? That was Greyhawk, I thought. Okay. And Arneson? Was it Blackmore? No. It was Blackmore. Okay. And every book of Blackmore starts with a very humble, humble paragraph that basically says, um, this setting of Blackmore takes place thousands of years before any other Dungeons & Dragons setting. Like it, it, it is, it, it, there, there's, there's lightsabers, but it's like in a galaxy far, far away long, long ago. And basically every Blackmore book started with this came first. <laughs> 
you know, meaning if you dig deep enough, you're going to find the, the assault rifle on, uh, on, I, I forget, I forget the book. They, they just, they re-released it about a year ago, a, a new version of it, but there's oh, the, a, the adventure reprints. Uh, no, oh. no, uh, no. They they did a, a fourth edition version of it. Oh, okay. And they uh, it might have been longer. I've kind of uh, been in the hospital for a while. No, no, it's fine. Lost track of time. But yeah. Anyway, the cover is a, a cleric uh, wielding a uh, holy symbol and a sniper rifle with a laser scope. So it's and, and that's the oldest setting in D and D. Right. I'm glad I got the trivia question. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you, you. You did well. You, you have to prove. Uh, hey, as as an outsider, uh, you you have to prove your cred. Yeah, well, and even in the recent uh, reprints, of the four adventures, uh, one of them was a more science fiction esque or whatever. Uh, I don't know exactly which term it was. No. Space opera type mm-hmm. uh, adventure module, like it was meant to be. Yeah, because well, they were trying out rules for that type of game system. Yeah, no, totally. Um, the, so the thing is, um, before the trivia tangent, um, with D and D next, like I'm familiar with with fourth edition, and I'm familiar with being able to custom design a character with a story and mechanics that fit the story right out of the gate. Right. And I had no play experience. I, I wanted to play and not just read. Um, these older editions where you kind of have to level up your character and survive long enough to get a mechanical identity or a play style. Right. And that's something that was in 3.5, um, but even more so in the older editions. So my friends started running older editions. So we've, we've, we've had our, our first edition game. And uh, yes, I did choose to use the optional rules for female characters. Oh God! Charm, male, and dancing were 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 very useful. Oh man, you didn't invite me to that game. <laughs> oh uh, no, <laughs> N- no, it, it was just I I just had to test it, you know. But um, anyway, with second edition, you know, uh, many would say like the definitive one since it it lasted so long. Right. Um, you know, before people thought of, you know, just creating new additions, <laughs> you know, uh, but, um, yeah, we've been doing second edition and they started the dark sun game and, uh, that's been really interesting trying to, to see how that works. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, cause I don't remember how, I don't know how much you remember of character creation cause we had to create my character quickly before the game started. Which I found in second edition, I, I don't know. Everyone tells me that you can quickly ca- create a character. I don't believe them anymore. <laughs> Dark Sun, I, I feel that Dark Sun might be an unfair well, but the uh, thing, the test thing is, of that because because to make a character in Dark Sun, even if you have the box set, it's like well you have to refer to this this oh you wanted a spell that's in this book. It, well, no, but the thing is, is that a lot of the beginning part of the character wasn't. So I did the the traitor, which is a rogue. Uh, or, th- I don't know, thief. I forget which term they use then. Uh, it's, it's a subclass of uh, rogue or thief, I think. Yeah. No, I know that part, but uh, I couldn't remember if it was rogue or thief. But uh, th- even then, just even reading the rogue part to figure out what I needed, because it, it's just a, a variation of that. But even just reading 
the part from the, the base book and trying to figure out, it's like you actually had to read all the text. It wasn't call out of, you get this, 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 and this. It was, you have to read through everything and then, and you have to do your skills. So the rogue is also more difficult because of the whole skills part, which nobody else gets necessarily. No, no, no! I totally. I, I'm playing a, a a cleric thief in that game. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I know. Uh, I, I know. No, I know your pain. So I mean, just every game, somebody looks at my character scene and says, "Oh, you forgot this." Right. And it's also funny because I mean, just people always told me like, "Oh, you could always put it on an index card." I think in order to get my character on an index card, I would have had to rate really tiny. Uh, I think I think it's just a matter of familiarity. I mean, a I lot so of the, a lot of the people that are, you know, that are comfortable with it. Basically, no one who got into D and D recently is going to be saying Second Edition has a really simple character creation system because they would never have been exposed to it. Right, I mean, right, right. Even Third Edition is is over a decade old. You know. Yeah. And. Um, so so that that's the thing is is that if you say that the character creation system is simple it might be but it's not something that modern folks would be used to you you grew up with it or you were exposed to it yeah and i, and I think the big thing is well and i think uh the beginners stuff was probably because we played advanced uh that might have been more simple for one. And then on top of it, it might not it might be simple once you know it enough. And that's the thing is that we're dealing with people who've played D&D for a very long time and so and as you're saying they're used to it versus me who's like only played a, a few games in that uh, era of D&D and therefore it's it's brand new. And but I just think it's important to me it's important to point out that part of that is just familiarity and uh, looking back at things uh, with a certain worldview, but not necessarily an objective stance, if that makes any sense. No, no, it, it, it totally, it totally makes sense. Uh, the other interesting thing about our Dark, Dark Sun game, uh, which I know lots of people, uh, who've played, uh, older editions of D&D will know, is that... The, who are still young at heart, still the, young at heart. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, like, decently older, too, so... <laughs> I should have been playing, but I just wasn't. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me. Uh, my, um, you know those uh, Dungeon Dragons is of the devil? Yeah. I had a mother who told me the devil planted dinosaur bones to trick uh, trick people into thinking evolution was real. Right. Uh, I, I, uh, I was not allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> but, uh, you had a different, a different book, didn't you? Um, I, I had, I grew up, uh, with Palladium. I, I grew up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Heroes Unlimited and... Yeah. Shameful, shameful things that are still fun. But right. So, combat. Do we, do we want to talk about backseat DMing? Is In that, a moment. Is that, is, In a is, moment. Okay. Sorry, I jumped the gun. Yes. I was going to say the combat stuff, though, was, uh... I think less about combat and more about what can you do to shortcut combat. 
I, I agree with you, but only because our uh, storyteller liked to kill us. So we had to make the combat as short as possible. Because, like, we went up against the flowers, which, uh, for those who are not part of the game, uh, they would put you to sleep and then uh, start gnawing at you or tearing at you or something. Yes. Okay. You get covered in sleep pollen and you fall over. Your friend tries to pick you up and drag you away. They are now covered in sleep pollen and fall over. In the end, we're harpooning our own allies to drag them out. Yep. There's flames everywhere. Right. And, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was charming. And, and we were saved by defiling. Yes. Uh, basically. Uh, so, yeah, so there's that one. And then there was the awful cat monster cat that uh had i I cannot pronounce the name of the the actual (laughs) monster it is uh, a game designer pro tip make monsters and creatures and npc names people can understand and know how to spell if they hear it i thought it was like kiri or something like that but it had like two claw attacks and a bite there was a q in there somewhere oh okay uh and uh yeah it was like through creative use (laughs) Well, and that was one thing that your DM did really did for me was because uh, there was no point in I, I should have had enough gold to basically buy any one day item I wanted, but there's no point in making me actually go through the equipment list for one game and pick out everything. So he basically Fabian basically agreed that I could just um, get like three chances in a in a session of saying I have this item as long as it oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Is 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 that not common? I don't know. Okay, because I mean that's really common. I mean, one of our other storytellers, and if you and and this ties into the 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 backseat DMing you wanted to talk about, right? Is that if a player is looking for something in the dungeon or the castle or whatever, and it's really cool for the story for that item or thing to be there, right? then they'll throw that in there. And it's just kind of, it, it's, it's a known policy. Some, I, I think a lot of people do it. They just don't say that, that, oh, I forgot to put a window there. Or, of course, the goblins have a toilet to use. See, yeah, I, I've played with some DMs where it's like they want me to even keep track of the number of arrows I have and, and, and things like that. So it, I think it varies. Well, if, if they're leaving you to keep track of it, then, of course, you always have enough. Uh, that's that's the answer to that but but yeah no i mean it all depends on how you want to play right yeah totally uh so, so that is that whole experience i used to have with people who would be like well do you actually have that many arrows uh was why i bought everything for our D next game and then we'll talk about, that's all i wanted to say on that because we because you, you noticed that i bought like pretty much everything yes i, I i'm aware that you had to <laughs> pass off extra ladders and other stuff to people because you had too much stuff than you could carry. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and so you wanted to talk about DMing from the backseat. Well, you observed it and I did it. So I like, I I think you want to talk about it, but, uh, I did bring it up. So it is my fault. Um, one of the things I I found in, in, um, Mike's, it's just one trick. Uh, when, uh, when you're a player, 
And I know there are some people who will come up with ideas and uh, they'll want to lead the lead the story as a player. And some people are cool with that. And, you know, it's just it's different play styles. It's, it's not right or wrong. But basically, uh, DMing from the backseat in this case was giving the storyteller a way out of player constructed madness. Uh, right. We, we were we were supposed to get a devil cat. Yes. So we knew where to find the devil cat. And, we, okay, we've sensed the devil cat's nearby. But then suddenly we're all talking around the table about finding a natural cavern and using stone shape to seal it in and letting it starve to death while two of the party members phase through the back wall so that it's, it's trapped in there. And, and it just became this, like, figuring out what powers we could use – to create this starvation death trap for a, a monster that we didn't know anything about. Right. And um, I, I, I realized, like, you know, I do not think that this was what the storyteller intended. So in the middle of this, so towards the end of it, when we're starting to make final plans uh, on, 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 of madness, um, I just asked the DM, uh, oh, I, I want to roll perception. Um is it listening to us right now? Right. Did it listen to our entire plan? Right. And it gave the storyteller a way out because otherwise we would have just been doing uh, art and craft survival. Which actually I'm in favor of. That was part of the problem. Like I was totally okay with it, but I actually was a little uh, upset in that uh, I, I, I honestly don't care what the storyteller's planned story is uh, in a D&D game. Uh, although I do want the storyteller to have fun, uh, but I, I also acknowledge that, uh, starving the cat to death in a cave was not a good story. No, no. Well, and also you, you want the, the table to have fun. And when you, you, you plan a perfect crime or or, I'm sorry, a perfect noble quest. Right. Things can go wrong. Well, no, and I, actually, and, I would. And, I think it would have been so. Generally, when I play, and we do, because my group tended to like to do stuff like that. Uh, it always went sideways, like any good. Oh no. oh no! But but at the same time, spending forty-five minutes planning, at least uh, planning how to cage uh, this creature, that as soon as we see it, we'll learn that it can turn invisible and teleport, which yeah, but we causes. Yeah, I mean, but we weren't spending forty-five minutes. That's the problem. That no, was my- exactly. But but my point is is that by posing this option, it gave the it gave the storyteller an out. Right, and and the the thing I found important from that is less that it was like the storyteller's story and everything like that, but but the fact that you were thinking about uh, the storyteller or the DM's fun. Yeah, and I think that's something players should take away from it. Yeah, that's, that's what I my suggestion. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 fine. I just I think I, I, I knowing Fabian the, the the storyteller, I think I saw the look of panic in his eyes. <laughs> well, how do you adjudicate? Like, how many days does it take to start a cat? I don't know. I I <laughs> I do know from our conversation afterwards when he thanked me for that. Uh, he was thanking me because he could not find the starvation rules. Right. <laughs> Because there's a lot of those, in, in, and they're, they're very clearly established in Dark Sun, but never starving in a cave. 
To be perfectly honest, I totally had figured that he would just make the cat also be able to phase through walls because it's a devil cat. And if it's a if it has psychic powers, which turns out some of the cats did, uh, they should totally be able to just phase through the wall. I I I cannot disagree with you more. But for the sake of uh, correctness, yeah. I, I respect your, your opinion. Yeah. Uh, it's a bold one. It's a bold one. Um, there will be critics. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I stick to your guns. I, 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 I hope you go far with that opinion. Okay. What else about... Do you have any other tips for DMing from the backseat? Oh, I don't know. I just... Uh, the, the, the thing is, is that it's... Just because there there might not be a rule for it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to let your character not know that fact. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's an important thing. If there is, um, if there is, oh, these children were cursed and turn, and turn, and turn into to liches or licks and but they're, they're evil, but does the curse make them evil while they're undead? And is there's no cure for, for being a lich? Well, yeah, if you haven't read this, that's fine. But the thing is, when you're presented with this, it's like, well, my character, yeah, my character would assume there's a ritual for that. There, there's a ritual for, for everything. I, I can turn swords into snakes. I mean, why why would there not be this useful? Turn, right. un, you know, undead into, you know, on undead. Why, why not? You know, and that, that's just, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a general guideline to, play, you know, play your character and, you know, have fun with it, you know. And, but, but don't it, – it always surprised me. And uh, this is uh, coming from other games. We're talking about, you know, being outsiders and other experiences. Right. Um, White Wolf games, uh, the world of darkness that, I, that I, I grew up with and, you know, I'm familiar with. They don't have a fixed uh, reality. One book will sort will cite something as the origins of this, and then it'll be contradicted the next chapter. It's all kind of mysterious, and you're supposed to, you know, you know, um, figure it out yourself as your experience as your characters in your local group. That's that's often um, right. the style there. And I was always uh, surprised that like the starter kit for Dungeons and Dragons came with the monster manual and, uh, and the dungeon master's guide. I was always, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of surprised that most players owned, owned a monster manual. And it's, it's, it's just, it's interesting knowing ignorance. So that's, that's something I I think is, is really fun, but it's also part of it is, is, uh, uh, DMing from the back seat because you're like, well, my character is going to do this. You know, this is what my character believes. In my first Dungeons and Dragons game, the 3.5, we actually did Under Mountain. I was exposed to that. Right. And that was great. But I, we were after a kidnapped woman. A woman is being tortured, and we must save her. Right. So, so of course, I don't understand why we should. We've spent days going in. Why we need to return to the surface? Right. Like we we can't, you know, we, we you know, and and the idea of, of resting and and getting new spells and and stuff, right? You know, this and the story, and I I just I didn't understand these things, 
Right. Um, and the storyteller um, ended up doing, uh, having a chosen of Elastray kind of thing and, you know, and, 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 and just rolled with it. But I, it's, it's interesting not knowing the lore or the limitations or what's, what's printed right. is, is, is in many ways a strength. Yeah. And you can remind the storyteller like, well, of course there's a ritual. I start researching it. Right. You know, and yeah, it's, it's. Yeah. I held off reading cause uh, the guy, uh, at least one of the guys in my group when I started playing offered to give me the monster manual and I was like, well, I don't really want to do that because I actually do want to play through it, like, surprise and try to figure stuff out. Uh, and I haven't been in a group yet where that's been really the, the big thing for them. So I, I, that's one thing I would love to do at some point. Yeah, it's really hard doing what your character would do when you know as a player it's wrong. Well, and it's particularly hard if your group wants to... Uh, win where win is probably like not dying or doing things pretty optimally like there's there's often that tension there well you know that's that's the thing is though finding a balance to it i mean mm-hmm. um with, with with the rpga um and, and this is another thing i think i mean when i talk about larping uh the reason i mentioned the numbers the size of uh, those gaming groups is that I, I've gamed with a lot of people, uh, which also taught me to lie like to, in game really well, um, which is really useful. And uh, I think I've already told the burrito story um, not, before. Not on this podcast. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But basically with the RPGA meeting all the time, there would just be all these different gaming groups and you would be at different tables with different mm-hmm. people. And... and Honestly, like as much as I'm talking about the role player making the bad decisions, y- you have to rein that in. I mean, you you can't just be my character doesn't believe goblins are evil, so I'm gonna get gut stabbed by them, you know, every time. But when I played a uh, Noel barbarian, right. you know, uh, you know, um, who was uh, um, very proper, you know, m- you know the monocle, uh, <laughs> the monocle wielding type. Um, when he met Knowles, and and part of this was the in fourth edition, the Knowles were the first player race uh, released in Dragon Magazine, and um, sorry, trivia brain kicking in. Um, but uh, the first time that character in the RPG met Knowles, of course he doesn't charge them; he goes up and talks to them. Right. And any other response in that would 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 be silly. Of course. Round two, fight, barbarian rage. You know, <laughs> you know, massacre. But you know, like that's 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 what I mean by by making the wrong decision and 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 working oh, yeah. with the information you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, like uh, in the online game I did, uh, my character was responsible for all of the the people in the group because she was part of the military and they were new recruits and one of the new recruits is at the bottom of the ravine being stabbed at by spiders uh of course wait, she... wait, the, wait, the spiders were wielding knives that's terrifying no, there's fangs and okay it's a huge spider so uh so of course she jumps off the 20-foot ravine at first level because she can't think of no other way to get there quick enough and she just has <laughs> 
So she turned herself into a living uh, um, ballistic missile. That's, exactly. That's that's almost as clever as the paladin summoning their celestial steed in midair to use as a bomb. <laughs> that's awesome. That uh, is a true story. So so yeah so I mean and the thing is is fortunately because it was a play by post game I could check in with everyone like hey if my character dies here are, are we gonna be oh cool and they're like go for it and and I think that's cool. It was a calculated risk. There was a good chance she'd die, but it well, was a good story, too. Well, you're also uh, um, uh, kind of challenging uh, uh, the, the storyteller there. Come on, are, are you really going to kill me? Oh, well, and we, we had agreed that, uh, that there was a... He had, we, we had worked out everything beforehand, and so I could make my decision as to whether or not to go for it based on that. But then I rolled a 20. Okay, see, so that, 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 solves, that solves all problems. That solves all the problems. You know, it, 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 but th- there are times when it's just like, well, narrative imperative says that uh, I'm going to survive this. Right. I'm a plot character. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, yeah. I-, I was sure she was dead. I was awesome. I was positive. So how did she eventually die? Because I'm assuming if you're playing a character that jumps off cliffs, she didn't. The game ended. the The DM got a little too busy. Okay. To keep up with the uh, our group, because we like I wasn't the only. One. I like to think she died by jumping into a volcano. Quite possibly. Down the road, twenty years later. Oh man. <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> oh my. Eagles didn't get there quick enough. Um, they never do. Typically, you have to wait, what, 10 hours? Yeah. Uh, the other thing, because you, you have a lot of... You're talking about the White Wolf games and LARP experience. Uh, one of the things I noticed when I did go to one LARP was that uh, players did a lot of interactions, and they only really brought the storyteller in when there was... Uh, a true conflict or a pivotal story moment. Yeah, it, it depends on the game, but... Uh, yeah. Uh. So do you think there's stuff you could take from that for some of your D&D games, or...? Oh, well, totally. I mean, um, having interactions that uh, aren't on the map or with the, with the character next to you at the table... Yeah. Um, ...is, uh, you know, that you, you can go far with that. I mean... Yeah, cause we had a player who LARPed who was in our game, and he tried to do some of that, but the, the problems we had uh, in doing it was that... It you felt... threw rocks at him? What? You, you threw rocks at him? No. D&D players are filled with such hate. Uh, they are. I know. Uh, but it was more that uh, it felt, because we were all still sitting around the table, so a lot of times it, it seems that from everything I've heard and seen, that usually there's more area and space in a LARP. And people kind of group, like, according to who's talking to each other. And okay. sometimes at the table that can be a little more difficult with the conversation. But I was just wondering if you had any tips. Um, what, do you, what do you do when you want to do that? Do people get up from the table and just go around the apartment or something? Um... Uh, not with D and D, you know. Um, yeah. That that's 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 been my experience. Uh, I do my best to make sure that I'm sitting next to the, the 
the people that I believe having quiet conversations that this, that do not affect the the entire table. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and sometimes that's good, and 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 sometimes you know it's 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 bad. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I mean, who you sit next to uh, can have uh, devastating effects on a game. Uh, the the burrito story. Right. Uh, e, uh, geek, uh, Geek's Dream Girl. And when I was, uh, um, I don't know, oh God, doing my last American tour between Dragon Con and, uh, and Gen Con, uh, I was with the uh, Critical Hits crew and a few other friends stateside. And I was uh, fortunate enough to say, hey, we're doing our D&D game. Why don't you come along, Jared? Great. What do I get to play? Well, there's a rich, evil guy who wants to get the whole party killed and steal their MacGuffins. Right. So can you show up and get killed? It'll be fun to have somebody roleplay that. Right. And I ended up... I, uh, Chipotle is not something that exists in Germany. Yes. So I was able to pick up some Chipotle before the game. And I decided to eat my giant burrito in character at the table. Nice. And uh, this is this is what I was saying. It's good to lie because they know you're evil. And it was literally like anytime I needed to keep a straight face, I'm eating a burrito, and the the party doesn't know how to deal with it because it's like, yes, 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 you won't believe me. You'll stab, stab, stab. I'm going to just steal everything. But really, you know, I, I'm legitimate here. These forged documents. You know, and and uh, but the reason I say who you sit next to is that they left the party's rogue with me. And in the time it took them to come back to decide to stab me, uh, I had uh, converted the rogue to the dark side through through the sheer power of logic and role playing and burrito. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, pro- props are useful, you yeah. know, and sometimes they're a distraction. I mean. I, uh, I'm, I, there are some useful skills and, um, well, like, I mean, in, in vampire, there's, there's a power that basically people can say, are you lying? You have to tell me the answer. Right. So, so the trick is making it so, so that you're not, you don't look like you're lying and there's no, so, you know, there's no reason to even ask that question. Right. And. I had to use the burrito as a prop to hide behind because there there was no way I could keep an entire straight face while saying it's like no 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 of course I'm good. Right. You know there's there's a tiefling necromancer that invites them into his manor home in in the evil capital. You know it's just you know. Right. So you know and I ended up just sitting next to the to the rogue and me and my burrito ended up just having these nice little conversations that you know ended up and I'm still E. If, if if you hear this, I am still so sorry. Uh, the the rogue stole the MacGuffins, and and my character that was supposed to die lived, and it just right. It, it, it has the power of a burrito, but you know it's it's um, you can do a lot with just role playing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I mean uh, this is why I I I need to get back into uh, writing because this is part of like uh, the the D Outsider column. I was doing for Watsi is that is showing the possibilities of what you can do with what's out there and looking beyond beyond just the mechanics and right. thinking about how these things you know uh, would affect someone if you if, like if you really think about it you right. know and how you interact with that and.
and you know it's like oh this theme this theme is mechanically boring but at the same time it's just like well you're royalty you can make deals you know and it's just little things yeah you know and you know it's 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 good to uh get beyond just the uh we kill it and right. and and th- this is an interesting thing though because uh D next is definitely um uh stepping away from uh the whole i don't know um uh humanity uh of uh, of of threats um in uh, when I first read my when I first read my very first Dun- Dun- monster manual, mm-hmm. I opened. I'm afraid of spiders. I hate spiders. Uh, I love them, but because I've studied them enough to try to get over the phobia and know, all I've learned is that if spiders were the size of puppies, they would rule the world. And um, but I read Edder Caps. Yeah. And okay, poisonous. They build traps, they do the, you know, and they're monsters, monsters, monsters. And at the very end, it just said, they speak common. And and this blew my mind. <laughs> it blew my mind because suddenly this monster, this monster can speak. Right. It has it has culture. It ha- it has spoken language. It is it is so much harder to like I don't know if rats could talk we would have so well we would have nightmares but but at the same time it would kind of seem like a different issue with killing them right and um um with fourth edition I mean even uh Salvatore making it so that orcs in the forgotten realms are well here's the peaceful kingdom of the orcs you know they're, they're building a better thing um and um we we have that, but we, the idea of races and things just being plain evil and we kill them outright. Uh, fourth edition definitely took a step in individual motivations, right? You know, and 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 that was interesting. But in the older editions, I mean, if you go all the way back, you know, you get language like evil, <laughs> like lawful evil was its own language, right? Um, but you look back and it didn't matter so much mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see how this how this is going to work out and progress right because people ask different questions now uh terry pratchett wrote uh, the last hero and that was about the last barbarian in a world where you got to talk to the trolls before uh cutting their heads off Right. You, the, the evil cultists aren't polite enough to put a secret entrance and health and med kits uh, scattered throughout their their temple. You know, for for you know, basically, it's a great book, and I I, I really recommend anyone really interested in the, uh, the in Dungeons and Dragons, but in the Edition Wars because that is kind of what it what what it's about is kind of the evolution of the gaming experience, and I'm not. I'm not coming on the side of, of, of one or the other, but it's interesting to see how things changed because things were just plain evil. They speak evil. If they speak evil, you kill them because they're evil. Right. And that kind of gets diluted further and, and, and further uh, you go. And 
you know, um, with, with, with fourth edition, we even have it where the gods aren't good, you know, and, 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 and that was the, you know, with, uh, here's the elemental chaos, you know, we find out, well, yes, the player, the player's handbook one was written by the gods, the, 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 the God chapters. Right. And we get alternate lore, uh, about that. And so suddenly like maybe the holy gods aren't so holy, you know? Right. And, you know, but the, it, things are, are less cut and dry. And with uh, D&D Next, there's, I don't want to say backsliding because that sounds wrong, but it is interesting that the dungeon crawl has problems when you think about, um, like, I don't know, uh, putting real logic or, or modern thought into it. Right. You know, if you think too hard about it, it kind it kind of gets funny. I mean, I, I've written, uh, I, I keep quoting the D and D Outsider articles, but there is uh, how to maintain designing your dungeon. Um, how how do you make it make sense? Of course, you put water breathing scrolls in the first room if you have an underwater dungeon, because if they got that far, you want them to go in and get killed. Otherwise, they'll go tell their friends. You know, it, it's trying to make sense of some of the the, the tropes. Right. Um, that even if you you didn't grow up playing Dungeons and Dragons, you you know about them. Right. You know, and it's I don't know. I that's that's part of the reason I'm playing the old editions, and it's. Yeah, and uh, looking at the D and D next, uh, you know, like particularly orc entry, like I, th- I think it's, well, the revised orc entry, because um, because we know about this. Yeah. And uh, can we talk about that? I think so. I think so too. Um, the, I, I love I love the 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 new orcs because they're creatures of corruption and everything gets foul. You know, it, it's it's it, the problem is even if you go with the Tolkien thing, you gotta have genocide for the orcs. Like it, it, it's it's you should never praise genocide, but it, it, orc orc slaughter is is uh, dare I say iconic? I guess I don't know. That's the problem. I want to say genocide is part of it, but but that's that's no. the thing is you don't want people feeling guilty. Because part of the classic Dungeons and Dragons experience is, there are monsters. Let's go kill them. Well, but and that's the problem I have is that uh, while that is the classic D and D experience for some, that wasn't always necessarily the experience for everyone. No, no, it wasn't my experience. Well, and but even even people uh, who because my brother did play back then, and uh, I don't. I, he tried to get a lot more of the nuance and story into it. And but his uh, he really only had one regular player, and that guy just wanted to kill things. So, uh, so that's the problem with me is that I I grew up in a situation where that battle that we have now, like the addition war thing that we have now, that everyone says is the new gamers versus the old gamers, I know happened back then because it happened with my brother and his friend, uh, sort of thing. So that's why I'm always cautious because I don't want to uh, erase my brother's experience either. Yeah, no, no, and I'm just speaking in, in I'm just rambling in broad strokes. And... Oh no, and, and it's totally cool. I was just trying to explain why I, I I can't make myself say that it's iconic if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, 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 and and honestly, it's but anyway, my my point is is that there's definitely a step in 
I mean, if you're playing in uh, the uh, Forgotten Realms, then you're like, well, those are orcs. Well, but orcs, orcs have feelings too. Yeah. And and uh, if dwarves, if the uh, the an ancient dwarven kingdom can forgive uh, 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 an army of orcs, then I I have to talk to them before I, before I kill them. Well, it's and, murder. Well, and on top, you don't even have to go there. You just go keep on the borderlands, where one of for me, the most cited stories about how people played that module was that they got the different bands to fight each other, which means you didn't kill them, they just killed each other because cause they're all in this uh, ravine area. Well, see, that, that that's Hollywood heroics. Right. Because the heroes shouldn't kill anybody directly. Right, right. They can lead to their death, but it's 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 a you know. So, but that's that. Those are the things like because on one hand, yes, if, particularly if you play the tournament modules, right? Like the um, like that yeah. was the whole point was to see how far into the dungeon you can get before you die, and hopefully you got mm-hmm. to the end, and then you got uh, ale and ladies. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, but if you played some of the other ones, like Keep on the Borderlands, there was a lot more nuance there, and it wasn't necessarily kill everybody because uh, sometimes the better, the for many people, the more fulfilling game experience was in fact in negotiating with, with the different quote-unquote monsters and getting them to take care of the problem for you. Yeah, no, no, totally. And there was a lot more relativism then. Yeah. I, I don't, I, now I'm the one that's... <laughs> That's what doing lore and trivia. No, no, no. It's totally fine. I, I oh. hope people enjoy the enjoy the rambling. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, and the the original thing, by the way, though, uh, and I, and I mean, obviously, I, I've been out of the loop for so long, and this is this is an old change. But uh, in and, but this is something that I think uh, anyone interested in uh, uh, women, uh, female characters, in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, should be aware that uh, like you and I both spoke up about this. Yeah. Uh, when the when the, when uh, the very first draft of the monster manual for D and D next came out, or or that word do- you know the document you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I just I think people should know that they are listening and they're making uh, you know mistakes are being uh, you know are are mistakes will always be made but you know that's why it's the the whole play test is because you can speak up. And uh, one of the and one of the uh, the issue that we're talking about is that and there is basically a paragraph in the uh, orc section that basically said they'll kill all the males and they'll keep all the women for breeding except for elven females. Yeah, and I don't remember the exact wording, but I remember there yeah, being I, a thing. I, I don't want to reread it, uh, yeah. um, but but the point was was that I mean even if we're we're gonna say okay you want to make orcs despicable, right? You um you know my I mean I think you and I had different arguments on this, but but mine was always by doing this you are basically saying if I have a female character and I believe we're losing to orcs I should kill myself, right. Because otherwise, I'm going to become orc breeding stock. Right. And D and D next orcs are grosser than any of the other editions. Like it is, it, they ooze filth. It is, it is what they do. Right. And I love that aspect, but it's, but it's really good that that got removed because 
the idea of of uh, I mean some of some of the more gender specific uh, tropes, you know, half works or yeah, n- no offense, you know, and I I. I Always, I knew this before even playing Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, half orcs are the the rape baby, uh, you know, uh, race. Right. And that has gotten dulled down. And uh, I love Fourth Edition for uh, taking a step out of that, mm-hmm. and then kind of putting it back in with D and D Essentials. But that's you know that's that's more trivia lore. But um, but with by removing that and the idea that all female dwarves have beards. Um, you you leave this so that people can put it in their own game without making it this canonical thing that someone can say, well, no, it's in the book. Yeah, well, and that's and that's been the uh, discussions I've had with them too, is about trying to leave as much out as possible while still providing some interesting things. Yeah, because the thing is, is like the the stuff that's obvious that uh, like. Let's say, because this was the one that I talked to them most recently about, was the, the and I had the article on my website about... Do you have uh, a website? <laughs> no. The uh, no. size of, of women versus men. And it's like, well, most people are going to assume that, that women are slightly smaller than men, particularly among humans. There's no reason, that, it doesn't add anything to the game by putting it in there. And you've made it a little more difficult now if somebody does want to play a huge hulking woman and you've already seeded the the DM and the other player's mind that women are smaller. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's un- unnecessary details. I mean, some people are, you know, are, are into that, you know, and, and create those details. Um, but, uh, and I... I but we, we don't need to, to know the exact height differences and what the different genders of each race look like in their underwear in the character creation system. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we go? No, no, I think I've embarrassed myself enough. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you uh, for coming on. Where can people find you if they'd like to, you know, ask you some questions about trivia your outsider articles um uh on twitter i am uh, jared von hindman and i have a website headinjurytheater.com but that's well actually uh tracy you're helping me uh redo that website so might right now might not be the best time but um if you like to talk to me jared at headinjurytheater.com and yeah um yeah we'll, we'll go hang out it'll be cool Awesome. Uh, and I'd also like to thank uh, listeners like you who shop at the Noble Knight and those who use our affiliate links to Amazon and or the D&D Classics uh, website. And if you'd like to contact us, you can always email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call us on our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And as always, show notes can be found at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 220, the craziest episode ever of The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone. I'm also wrong.